welcome to The Rob Burgess Show. I'm, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 190th episode, our guest is Billy Winter Davis. Billy Winter Davis is the mother of Reality Winner. And if you don't know who Reality Winner is, you're about to find out. And now, on to the show. First of all, how are you in, in Texas, I guess, before anything? Are you are you doing okay right now? Yes, we're doing fine. Um, you know, it, the winter storm hit us, but we were fortunate. We never lost power. And oh. so we did We did okay. Great, so. great. <laughs> I just, yeah, I can't believe what's been, I've been here and down there. That's crazy. Thank you so much for, for taking the time uh, tonight. I really do, do appreciate it. And um, why don't you just go ahead and start out by just introducing yourself and, and your family, however, just however you'd like to, for people that don't know who you are. Okay. Well, um, my name is Billy Winter Davis, and I am the mother to Reality Winner. And Reality Winner is a um, young woman who is presently in prison for releasing a document that had proof of the Russian attacks on our election in 2016. Uh, my daughter is a veteran of the United States Air Force. She served six years in the Air Force and afterwards she took a job at the NSA where she came across this document and she felt at that point in time that it was vital that we, the American people, have the truth. And so she took it upon herself to give it to us. Yeah, there's definitely a lot lot there I, I want to talk about, but I wanted to go back just a little bit because uh, I just wanted to ask about your family in general. How many uh, children do you have? What, what did it look like family-wise for you guys growing up? Okay, so I actually, I have the two girls, Brittany mm -hmm. and then Reality. Mm -hmm. And uh, after I divorced their dad, um, and then I, I remarried later, and my husband also has three children from a previous marriage. So mm. we, we became kind of a blended family. So, right, right. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's a big family. I, I have three kids myself. I am not to five yet. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <It's> not, <laughs> we're not, who knows? <laughs> who knows what the future may hold, of course. But, um <laughs> Yeah, that's a lot of kids. Wow. Okay, <laughs> I, I understand that for sure. Um, but uh, that I got. I just got to say right off the bat because that name, reality. I know you've probably talked this to death, but I have to say when I read that, I had to read it twice. I was like, wow. Okay, that's really the name. Interesting. Okay, memorable name. Most people's names aren't very memorable. <laughs> that's a very memorable name. Um, where did that come from? Why? Why is that her name? Yeah, I mean, her dad was kind of non-traditional, and okay. um, I named our first daughter Brittany, and right, when I became Brittany's pregnant with reality. very different than reality. When you said that, I was like, yeah. that's a little different. <laughs> it is a little different, right? So anyway, so when I became pregnant with reality, um, my husband at that time, the girl's dad said, mm -hmm. you know, you got to name the first one. I get to name the second one. And mm -hmm. I agreed. And, you know, as the pregnancy went on, he pretty much, you know, had decided that he was going to name her reality winner. And because he said he wanted a real winner. And so mm -hmm. I just felt like I couldn't say no because I had made a deal. And so mm -hmm. we just went with it. And, okay. you know, before her arrest and before her making national news, we never thought twice about it. It was oh, just, really? it's her name. Wow. It's who she is. I know that, you know, she was teased in school and, you know, there's been times in her life where she has expressed, you know, frustration. Why did you name me this? Because, mm. you know, um, you know, like Facebook, Facebook wouldn't mm. accept her name. Because oh, wow. they said, you you need to have a real name, you know, and so they weren't accepting her. <laughs> Not this made up name. name. <laughs> right. You can't have a made up name for right. Facebook. And so uh, she actually had to send in a picture of her driver's license in order for oh, them wow. to actually accept her real name. Oh, so, wow. yeah, okay. she's ha she's had she's had some, you know, some, you know, things that she's had to deal with throughout her life. Um, you know, she used to like if you went to Starbucks and you have to give your name for the order she mm. would just tell him her name was Sarah you know because <laughs> she didn't want, she did not want to deal with them looking right. at her like 
you know, what did you say? Yeah. And so, yeah. <laughs> it's not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> right. So uh, she would just give him her best friend's name. She would say, yeah, just yeah. Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> I've read about somehow your your daughter grew up and she she thought kind of deeply about uh, world events. What was her what was her upbringing like as far as like how she thought, uh, I guess, politically or like uh, just about just government in general? What were her what was her, you know, introduction to that kind of thinking? Uh, well, I again, I have to blame her dad. Um, her her dad was very, you know, an intellectual and okay. he would watch, you know, all the news and everything. And he was always talking to the girls about world events. And so I think that reality really um, that's the way that she bonded with her dad. Mm. And so she she really did, you know, develop an interest in, you know, the bigger picture. It's not just, you know, in our backyard. It's it's what's going mm-hmm. on everywhere. And when 9-11 happened, I really saw like it affect her. I, I you know, I look back now, but even then at the time, I saw her being very, very serious about, you know, watching the news and wanting to know what was going on. And it, it did affect her. And so I think after that, I think her and her dad, you know, probably, you know, had a lot of conversations about mm. you know, um, what was going on in the world. And she, like him, also had a love for religion, religious mm. studies. She has studied a lot of different religions and she's very interested in how that also um, shapes us and how that has you know, um, I guess played a part in the world and just everything, you know, the wars that have been fought about, you know, over religion and things like that. And so, you know, and in high school, she, she just, I recently came across some of her papers, you know, and just Mm -hmm. reading them just very much, I mean, very in depth. Um, she really, you know, started, searching for a lot of information and answers and researching things. And um, she was always very, very curious about everything and always learning. She loves to learn. It, it's just, it's who she is. It's, she's not like everyone else, you know, um, she just, she, she has a thirst for knowledge and mm. so she never stops learning and she never stops reading and and looking for you know new topics to study. Mm. Right. Um, now, what led her to the Air Force? Why did she join the Air Force? She she's always had a love for languages, mm. and even in high school, she started uh, self teaching herself how to. Uh, speak Arabic. She ordered a bunch of programs and books mm. and, and things to try to teach herself Arabic. And she has a stepbrother who was in the Air Force, who he's still in the Air Force, and he's actually a Russian linguist. And so she kind of saw the opportunities that were there for him. And I think that she saw that as a way of being able to to do what she wanted to do, to learn languages and to serve her country and to to travel. Although, you know, when she did get into the Air Force and she was trained as a linguist, she found out that, you know, they don't allow their linguists to travel. They, they keep them very uh, protected. And so um, that was kind of a letdown for her as far as, you know, a reason why she wanted to join the Air Force was, you know, to to get the experiences that she had seen her older stepbrother have. She served for six years. Is that that's right? That's right. Yes. Right. Right. Where was she at yeah. during her time there? Where was she stationed and stuff? Yeah, she she did her basic training at Lackland in San Antonio, mm. Texas, which is about two hours north of where she grew up. Okay. And then after that, because of the linguist program, she spent about a year and a half in uh, Monterey, California at the Presidio. Mm-hmm. And that's where okay. uh, the DLI is, the Defensive Language mm. Institute is. That's where they, all of the armed forces train their linguists there in Monterey. 
And after that, then she was stationed at Fort Meade in uh, Maryland. And mm-hmm. so she spent the remainder of her days at Fort Meade. She was selected for a specialty language program in Pashto. At, at, in Monterey, she learned Dari and Farsi. And then when she um, she got to Fort Meade, she was selected to do kind of like a crash course on Pashto. And so she was excited to have done that because that was her first language that she wanted to learn. And and then she also, during her term, during her four years at Fort Meade, was selected for a deployment to Georgia, Augusta, Georgia, mm. for a special a special um, operations that she was uh, selected for. So okay. she, she, went, she went there for about six months and gotcha. then returned back to Fort Meade. So... Gotcha. And she worked with uh, drones. Am I right about that? Yes. Okay. I, I'm i not. I mean, You're I not. don't yeah. have a lot of knowledge about what she did. Okay. I, I know gotcha. that, you know, she worked at the NSA there uh-huh. at Fort Meade and she worked at the NSA there at Augusta. And I know that she was tied to missions. And so okay. she was doing real time um, you know, interpretations and communications and mm. helping them, um, you know, helping our soldiers on the, on the field and identifying targets. It wasn't until she was actually discharged from mm-hmm. the air force right. and she brought, she brought home her commendation medal and her certificate that went with it, where I actually, you know, actually got a glimpse of what it was that she was doing when she was working for mm. the Air Force is she she was identifying enemy targets to be I removed see. from the field. Wow. So, um, okay. Uh, but the thing, getting to the thing that, that you spoke of and that, that I became, of course, familiar with her story from, that happened actually just after she was in the Air Force. She had already left the Air Force at that point, right? Um, that's correct. That's correct, yes. Right. So she was a private contractor when this occurred. Is that yes. correct? Okay. In saying that. Okay. Yes. She so, discharged out of the Air Force in yeah. December of 2016. Gotcha. And then she took a job with this uh, private company in, um, I think she started February 1st with the private company. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, let's let's dive a little deeper into what she found and what she saw and why she felt it was so important. What what specifically did the documents that she came across say? The document was basically, I mean, I had a hard time reading it, but it was basically an intelligence summary mm-hmm. about how the Russians, the GRU, had sent these uh, what they call spear phishing emails to mm-hmm. like sites where our voting systems were, you know, people who worked on the voting systems and things like that sent um, these phishing emails to them so that if they clicked on them, then they would have access into their computer and could um, do damage to say voting registrations or actual voting, um, you know, the votes themselves. Mm-hmm. And so, Basically, the document that Reality came across while she was working there at the NSA, you know, showed how the GRU had targeted voting systems in about 21 of the states. And Mm. so when, when Reality saw this information, this is at a time when Trump was telling everyone that the whole Russia investigation was a big hoax it was you know a witch hunt and that there there was nothing there and this was at a time when he had fired comey he met with you know the russian diplomats in the oval office told him that he had basically uh, gotten rid of comey so that he could you know end the investigation into the russian interference mm-hmm. ele- uh, election interference and so it was Right around that time, in fact, the day after he met with the Russians in the Oval Office when Reality 
uh, snuck the document out of the NSA, put it in mm. an envelope, and mailed it um, anonymously to a media outlet called The Intercept. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, yeah, that's where I read the story. And then pretty shortly after that, from what I understand, due to the handling of the, the documents, because I had no idea this existed, but apparently there's these little dots that appear on a printed page when you print it on a certain printer, and that can then be traced back to who did it, and they sent that unredacted to the NSA, and that was what tripped up the alarm bells. I Am I getting that right? Yeah, something like that. Right. Um, I'm not exactly sure. Some, some, co- some, some, some code that. that wouldn't have been visible yeah. or understandable to normal <laughs> the normal eye uh was exactly. was responsible right right but, yeah yeah but how do you feel that the intercept handled that situation oh i i mean absolutely everything that i've learned throughout this is that they you know made some mistakes some big mistakes mm-hmm. that led the fbi straight to right. my daughter's door um you know, my daughter, of course, didn't have a criminal mind and she didn't cover her tracks. Um, she mm. was only focused on releasing the truth to the American people. And it's my understanding that she was familiar with the intercept. Um, you know, being in intelligence, everybody knows about the Snowden case mm-hmm. and there's a link there. And sure. I believe that. You know, she had been in contact with The Intercept because she was requesting some of their podcast information mm. on climate change um, at right at that time as well. Mm. And so I think that she looked up the information on how to send them information and she just got their address. Um, and so she basically, you know, put this in an envelope and didn't you know make a copy of it didn't you know try to protect herself and she actually you know put it in the mailbox right outside of her the yoga studio where she taught oh wow and so you know she did also you know and from what i understand is that the intercept you know in their efforts to authenticate the document had to reach out to the fbi the fbi Somehow, you know, I don't know if they sent them the original or if they showed them the original or a copy, but mm. the FBI pretty quickly knew right. which printer it had been printed on, which was mm-hmm. there in Augusta, Georgia. From mm. there, the NSA was actually able to figure out how many people in Augusta, Georgia had actually printed this document. Mm. They, The FBI also knew exactly where the document was mailed from. Wow. You know, so they they knew where it was, you know, where it was posted. And so that was also, you know, a dead giveaway mm. for my daughter. Um, and from there, it was kind of easy for them to look at, to narrow it down as far as, you know, which of these people who had printed this document in Augusta, Georgia, looked like they had contact with the intercept, looked like, you know, they might be the ones to um, have done Mm. this. And so, you know, it led right straight to my daughter's home that day. And, you know, unfortunately she hasn't seen freedom since. And that was 2017. So we're talking about four years. Just to, it's yeah, it's like three years, nine months now. So gosh, yeah, it's such yeah. a long time. So what specifically was she charged with? What what were the specific charges? The spe- the specific charge was the willful retention. Um, I'm trying to think of what the wording was. The willful retention and transmission of national defense information. Hmm. And this is a felony under the Espionage Act. Gotcha. Yeah. Are other people charged with this? And is this a what sentence she received a similar sentence to other cases? Is it especially because four years for one document is a lot. Um, 
But I don't I don't know. I don't know that many cases like this. Is that normal? Is that more than normal? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, under the Obama administration is when mm. they saw um, more people being charged under this act. Right. Because, um, you know, when you look at like you look at General Petraeus, General Petraeus actually released volumes of documents to his mistress for, you know, mm. his uh, memoir that sure. was being written. And yeah. he actually released information with regard to troop information, mm. troop whereabouts and things like that. Things that really did. It was a release of national defense information. He was charged with a misdemeanor charge of uh, mishandling classified document documents. Mm. OK, so that kind of shows you. Right. Um, the comparison between what my daughter did and what General Petraeus did. Mm. And of course, they were using General Petraeus, they were saying, you know, to take his service to America in account. But yet with reality, her service to America was not taken into account. You know, mm -hmm. he re released a lot of information, volumes of information. She re released a single document. He right. released information that could have put our troops in danger where None of her information actually tied back into any national defense information. And none of her information, to this day, no one has ever shown what harm she may or may have not done to our national defense system. Mm. You know, the that's what they used against her. They said that she did this grave damage to our national security, yet they never proved it to us. They, they never, you know, because she never had a trial. Uh, she pled guilty. So they never had to prove it to anyone that she did this grave damage to our national mm. defense. Um, and so, as I was saying you know, under the Obama administration, there were more people charged with this. And basically the charge under the Espionage Act makes it so difficult for anyone to mount a defense. And so more times than not, you're going to see a plea deal like my daughter. You're going to see somebody plead out because otherwise they never see an end of it. They never mm -hmm. see an end to it. And there's no way to defend themselves. My daughter's sentence was a record-breaking sentence from, mm -hmm. for anyone else, a civilian charged under this act. Um, she, nobody has ever gotten near the sentence that she got, especially when you take into account that she released a, a single document. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, you know, the law does state that it's punishable up to 10 years in prison. But, mm. you know, when you're looking at you really have to look at, you know, the the type of information that's released and, you know, the volume of information that's being released. Mm -hmm. And then I just I do also want to say that, you know, a lot of people wanted to compare her case to Chelsea Manning's. Mm. But those are two very, very different cases because well, Chelsea, Chelsea Manning Manning was in the military at the time, right? She was in the military, right. So it was right. a military court. It wasn't a civilian court. It wasn't, right. you know, so it was, it was a very, very different case. It was different charges, different case. And again, Chelsea Manning released, you know, a, a lot, a, a large right. volume a lot. of data and lot. information. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Mm. So there's very different, there's a lot of differences. And so to compare, you know, the mm. cases, it's hard to because each case is so different. But definitely, you know, when when they were able to get the sentence for reality, you know, the prosecution acknowledged that this was the longest ever sentence. And the prosecution, they actually gave out awards for mm. the people that were involved in her prosecution wow. and for securing that record-breaking sentence goodness yeah. wow well, it sounds like they were trying to make an example by throwing the book at her right i mean it's like basically it seems like it's kind of sending a message i would think i mean 
it's just I, I just seems like over the top for the amount of information i don't and again i don't know much about this area of the law but i just as a lay lay person it just seems excessive but she is uh well going back well, before we get into that how did how were you, how were you taking all this how did you find out about this how did you feel when you heard that your child is in the mixed up in all this and i just as a parent i would be losing my mind uh i don't know <laughs> Exactly. Right. Yes. Prior to, you know, June 3rd, 2017, we were, you know, a pretty normal, quiet family. My husband and I were both, you know, enjoying our careers and looking forward to retirement. Uh, You know, we had the empty nest syndrome (laughs) and just a, a very quiet life. And my husband got the call on June 3rd. Uh, from reality and an FBI agent who was there at her house with her and letting my husband know that she was being taken into custody. And so later that night, she was able to call us after they had booked her into jail. And, you know, you're just in shock. You're, You're just in shock. I had no idea how to respond. I had no idea what to even ask her. You know, I asked her if she knew what she was being charged with. And she said it had to do with her work. She said it was that she had leaked a document, you know, and so we we drove up to Georgia, actually. You know, we got in the car the very next morning. We drove up to Georgia, no stops, because we wanted to be there for her first Mm -hmm. hearing on that Monday. And that was basically the hearing was, they called it like a complaint against her, you know. Mm. And Such a mild they, word. Yeah. What? Yes. <laughs> <What's going on? laughs> and, and they were very, they were very vague about, um, mm. you know, the charges and just saying that, you know, she mishandled classified information. That's that's all that they really said. And so we really, even walking out of that courtroom that day, we didn't have a sense of what was going on. And they denied her bail that day. And they wanted to hold a full-blown bail hearing. And so that was scheduled for like that coming week, that Thursday. And so walking out of the courtroom, we were just devastated, number one, that she has to stay in jail. And number two, not having any idea what's going on. What is what is happening, you know, to our daughter? And so our phones immediately just started blowing up. I mean, we were being contacted by reporters and people from everywhere. And at first it was like, we're, we're not answering these calls. We're not answering these calls because we don't know what's going on. Mm. And at some point I made the decision to take a call and to tell the reporter. And it was a guy from CNN. I said, mm. you know, before you ask me anything, can you tell me what's going on? Mm. Because I, I really not know what's happening here and so he was like you don't know what your daughter's being charged with and I said no I don't and so he's the one that actually let me know you know that she was being accused of leaking this document my very first instinct was well then they've got the wrong person because whew, you know my daughter doesn't work anywhere near the Russian you know mm. forum at all I mean she has absolutely nothing to do with Russia in her field and so i figured that they had the wrong person like there's no way Mm. that she would even have access to something like this you know how is it that she would have access to a classified report on russian election interference you know Mm -hmm. she right so but as it unfolded um you know we, we kind of you know got the message that no this is exactly who they're after and um you know found out that she had actually confessed to this and then it was just a matter of you know where do we go from here they denied her bail again you know they called her a danger to america they called her a risk a flight risk you know they insinuated that because of all of the languages that she knew and because of, you know, her knowledge of Middle Eastern culture that she, she might be like an asset to them, 
you know, like they could mm-hmm. hire her and, you know, we'd never see reality winner again. And she would do grave damage to America. You know, mm. they, they totally, they used her, you know, where, remember we talked about general Petraeus where mm-hmm. they said, you know, because of his service, they gave him credit for that. Well, with reality, they didn't give her credit for that. And in fact, they used it against her. They, they painted a picture of somebody who actually, they said she, they insinuated that she actually went into the Air Force for this mm-hmm. purpose to betray her country. You know, mm-hmm. my daughter joined the Air Force at the age of 18, you know, before mm-hmm. uh, Russia intervene, intervened in our elections. I mm-hmm. mean, for them to test everything and to turn it into something so... I guess just hurtful and hateful against her right. was was something that just really it angers me. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I mean, the administration at the time had a vested interest in throwing, you know, attention away from and clamping down on those who might suggest that the election had anything to do with Russia and. This is a perfect example of that, and but like make them turn it turn it back around on them. Don't deal with the contents of the thing and and turn it back around on them. Sure, that's that's a common tactic. But now you know there is a new administration now. Uh, do you do you have any hope that the Biden administration? Because you you mentioned the Obama administration and they did use that act a lot too. And and how do you, have you do you think you can get any traction now that there's a change of the guard at the top? I don't know. We've been trying. We've been uh, trying to make as much noise as we can. We've been trying to reach out to the White House, to Biden, to anyone who has any connections to him. And we just we I don't know how he stands with this. Mm-hmm. There, There's just been there's been no response whatsoever from mm-hmm. this administration or anyone who's close to him. Wow. So we don't really know what, um, you know, what the response is, what, you know, his viewpoint on this would be, um, you know, whether he would consider that. And and at this point, what reality has filed for is, is clemency. She's not asking at this point for a full pardon or anything like mm-hmm. that. She's just asking for clemency to commute her sentence to time served. And she's mm-hmm. already done, um, you know, three years and eight months of mm-hmm. a 63-year sentence. You know, there's so Six, many people out there that, months. yeah, her sentence right. is 63 months right, of, right, of prison right. time. Um, and so she's already done the 40, I think we're at 45 months, going on wow. 46 months. Is there any time and, for good, good, t- good time for good time for, sir, you know, uh, time served you know the if you don't break any rules or whatever they take some time off does that apply at all or no they do and the way that the feds work it is they actually load that time up Mm -hmm. front so they Mm -hmm. give you a release they give you a release date already counting that good time in it's Mm -hmm. a way for them to to keep on the straight inside because okay you know because then you you're going to lose something. You're going to lose something real if you mess up in there. So, um, yeah. So her, her actual like release date when you go on the system right now and look it up is, uh, November 23rd of 2021. And Mm. that's already with the the good time Mm. loaded into her sentence. Mm. So, yeah. I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Well, it, Gosh, what a terrible time to be in, not that there's any good time, but what a terrible time to be in a prison, right? With COVID. I mean, she did, she have, she had COVID at one point, right? She did, she did contract COVID. Um, Yeah, it's, this has been a nightmare for her. Uh, Every, every chapter of her case has just it's unfolded you know as, as a nightmare you know she was kept in a county jail for over a year oh, waiting on her trial <laughs> and those are terrible yes oh. and she was you know she was 
attacked and beaten. She was injured. She was neglected. Um, she was in one room for the entire time that she was there. This, mm. The roof leaked over her bed the entire year she was there. You know, they weren't feeding her properly. I mean, just it was just a nightmare. So she finally, you know, pleads guilty to get, you know, moved on. You know, she said, at least we need to see an end to this because otherwise there was no end to it. The government mm. was dragging it out for as long as they possibly could to break her. And so, you know, she she gets moved and, you know, the, the move itself is another nightmare for her. And then she finally gets to the federal prison where she's going to, you know, do her sentence. And that's in Fort Worth, Texas. And, you know, things are better than they have been for her this mm. entire time. She she is able to get a job as a fitness instructor. She's teaching fitness and nutrition. At one time, she was tutoring people for the GED. Uh, the food is definitely better. There's always a, a vegan or a vegetarian option. And she's able to go outside and run. She exercises. She, you know, um, is doing her artwork. She's also taking college courses. We were able mm. to set her up with some college courses. Well, then comes COVID. You know, COVID happens mm -hmm. last March. And my, and my husband and I were actually able to go up every like five weeks uh, to visit with her. Her sister would fly down and also visit with her. And, you know, so she was doing okay. So then COVID mm -hmm. hit last March. Last March, all of the prisons went on a modified operations. And so basically what that meant was they went on lockdown. There's been no face-to-face -face visits, no attorney visits since last mm. March. They, they shut down all of the programs, which meant that my daughter lost her job. They, mm. And she, she can't go to the rec center. She can't do any artwork. Uh, artwork. Um, they at times have shut down the cafeteria. And so they're basically bringing the meals up into the units. And those consist of bologna sandwiches. And so once mm. again, you know, she's locked in a unit and she's not being fed proper meals. She's not able to exercise. She's not able to take care of herself and there's no visits. And so once again, she's finding herself, you know, again in a nightmare situation and there's no end again. There's no end in sight, you know, um, even though Governor Abbott has said that he's going to open up Texas 100% this week, that doesn't mean that the federal prisons are also going to open up 100%, mm. which you know, I bet they're not. And so, you know, she's stuck in this situation that's just unbearable. Mm. And, you know, and I wish there was and I wish there was more reporting being done on these lockdown conditions because you know they're violating all kinds of rights and they're calling it modified operations to protect them from covid you know which they're not they didn't do a good job of protecting them from covid anyway mm -hmm. my daughter did she did a petition for compassionate release with the prison system and her attorneys also did file with back with the district court in georgia where she was sentenced for compassionate release and she was denied. Um, after the denial, they actually appealed it and the appellate court stated that, you know, they might have ruled differently than the, what the district judge did, but they were not going to overturn his ruling. And so she was denied compassionate release as well. Wow. And as you said, she ended up getting COVID in prison along mm. with 500, 500 other female inmates in that prison so, man you know yeah no i think just anybody and because i've been writing about uh long-term care facilities too it just reminds me of that just it's been same situation just just terrible any any congregate living situation has been just uh it's just so frustrating how it's been handled um yeah but um Wow. So only, I mean, hopefully, though, even if there is no action from the top, 
I mean, I say only, it's going to feel like forever, I'm sure, a couple more months, I hope, right? I mean, before it, she would be out. Um, have you have you talked about what is going to happen when she gets out, what she's going to do, where she's going to live, what she's going to, I don't know, anything? Mm-hmm. Well, her release uh, address is here with us. Oh, um, okay. they, they, well, Yeah, good. they have to have a release address <laughs> gotcha. and they have to have, they actually have to have an address that can be, you know, verified ahead of time. Okay. Uh, my husband and I, we have 20 acres here. Oh, and so we actually, okay. you know, bought and put a cabin out right. on, you know, t- a 10 acre plot out there for her. Sweet. But the per- the probation officer came out and said that he couldn't uh, uh, approve that home yet. He has to approve our home mm. uh, where people are living, you know. So she will be released here to our home. And, um, you know, she... She does want to continue, you know, with her training, with her athletic training. She is a huge athlete. She's, you know, she's a certified spin instructor. She's a certified yoga instructor. Um, She really thinks that she can make a difference in people's lives, you know, by teaching nutrition and by teaching fitness, which, you know, she's been able to do that in prison as well. Mm. Um, and she also, she's talking a lot about getting involved in prison reform and uh, criminal justice reform. She has witnessed so, so much. She's witnessed, mm-hmm. you know, the inequities that go on within our system and, you know, just the stories, you know, about how people are, you know, doing 10, 15 years on a single drug charge, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, just their entire lives and their children's lives and their families' Mm. lives are just being ruined because of addiction, you know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she she talks to me about these things. She talks to me about, you know, the things that she's experiencing, the people that she's meeting and the, you know, just the, the sad and horrible stories the stories about people who don't have money, who can't mm-hmm. afford an attorney and right. who have to have to settle with a public defender who meets with them five minutes before their court date. You know, um, it's just it's it's a really scary system that we have. Um, mm-hmm. And so she she talks a lot about how we're going to, you know, fight for prison reform and mm-hmm. um makes changes so <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah that's what she well, wants to do so. <laughs> sure i can understand why that would be a passion <laughs> of hers um but how, i mean in the end how what do you think she should have done what i mean what's the correct thing that she should have done with this information i mean if it's true what this document says I don't know. I think people maybe as I mean, I'm a journalist. So what, you know, you know, what my motivation is I'm going to want to like get that out there. But like, I don't know. I feel like people should know that if that's what the government thinks happened with our elections. But then again, it's like, should she have gone through a chain of command and say, hey, this this is something what's going on here? I mean, what should she have done? I don't know. What do you say? Well, first of all, as an American who thought that we were a country governed by Americans, by ourselves, mm-hmm. I have to ask why something like this was being hidden from us, mm-hmm. why it was that this wasn't brought out sooner, mm-hmm. why it was that we had an administration that was lying to us, not just about this, but about many, many things, and why that was okay. Why would a, a document like this be classified to the level that the American people didn't know the truth? And in fact, the 21 states that were targeted, um, you know, that, that this document showed were targeted, mm-hmm. they, they were not even aware of, mm-hmm. you know, the threat to their systems. And they were asking the same question I'm, I'm asking. Why weren't we told you know, how do we protect mm-hmm. ourselves if we're not told about these things? And so that's my first thing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, with regard to my daughter, um, you know, we talk about should she have gone to her chain of command? Well, who was her chain of command? 
number one, she wasn't in the military anymore. Mm. She was working for a, a private agency, but she was working at a government entity, you know, um, that document that my daughter released was the number one red document at that time within the NSA, within the mm. intelligence communities. Wow. So here you have, my daughter was 25 years old in that moment of time, knowing that this is the number one red document, mm-hmm. yet nobody is, is releasing it. Nobody is telling the truth. You know, I, I can understand what would make a 25-year-old frustrated to the point of saying, you know what, this has to get out there. And if I'm the only one brave enough, then I guess I'm going to be the, the only one brave enough. You mm-hmm. know, because when you think about that, thousands of people had seen and read that document that week, the same week that my daughter released it. Mm-hmm. But no one. No one was bringing it forward. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and if reality had not brought this document forward, where would we be in the mm-hmm. Russia investigation? Right, yeah. right. Well, yeah, well, that was what I was also going to ask you. It's like, what do you think about people that are just so dismissive of the Russia thing? It's like, I we have some, you know, look at, <laughs> that's what I always say. Oh, it's like, look at what Reality Winner showed us. You know what I mean? That That's always what I say when somebody gives me that old, this nothing burger thing. It's no, there's something. I don't care if you just, I mean, you can say it's less or more, but there's not nothing, right? There's right. something here, <laughs> something going on. Uh, yes. They Otherwise they wouldn't have come down so hard on this, on this person. So um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's uh, such it's such a strange case. I know it's not strange. I, I I feel like I understand the motivations of the people involved. But, um, gosh, well, uh, thank you so much for taking. I mean, I've taken almost an hour of your time here, and I know it's getting late, and it's a Monday, so. Um, but uh, we've probably got to both work in the morning, I'm sure. So, um, but I uh, I wanted to ask. I always ask this before we go. What music have you been listening to lately? Uh. Oh my gosh, that's a good question. Uh, mm-hmm. Lady Gaga, mostly. Nice. <laughs> Very good. All right. No, that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> that's a good answer. All right. Yeah. No, no my daughter Emerald gets much, down with that. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. No, it's, it's weird because my husband, whenever I get into his vehicle, he listens to the Garth channel. Okay. And it's on... Um, Sirius XM, and sure. so it's not just Gar- Garth's music, yes. it's music that Garth listens to. I know to. what you mean. I was surprised yeah. to hear that on the Sirius when I heard that. I was like, wow, yeah. Garth likes Lady Gaga. Wow, okay, <laughs> interesting. Yes, and so, yes, yeah, so it was just like this weekend when we got in, you know, I was listening to this song, and I wasn't really paying attention. I was on my phone like I usually am, and I said, man, I like this song, and I looked up, and I said, oh, it's Lady Gaga. Of course I like this song. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. So. <laughs> yeah. So, that's good. That's uh, a good answer. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, is there anything else you want to tell people before we go? How can they get involved or know more or yeah, anything you want to say about that? Yes, please um, send people to standwithreality.org. That has a lot of information, a lot of um, articles about my daughter. The court documents are there, how to follow us on Twitter, on Facebook. And, um, you know, please, you know, be the one to say her name out there. You know, I know that Mm -hmm. people say it's a strange name, but we need to hear it more. Uh, We Mm -hmm. need to have it heard everywhere. Mm-hmm. So. definitely cool well uh hopefully the next time we talk i'll be able to speak with her as well maybe she can give me some i'm trying to get into yoga it's hard um <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not the most flexible person i'm trying to you know i'm stuck at home here i'm trying to i'm trying to be more active um but yeah maybe she can help me with that that would be great <laughs> but uh, anyway uh right. yeah uh have a good night thank you so much okay. and i'll talk to you soon Thank you, Rob. Okay. Yeah. Have a great
Join the Rob Burgess Show mailing list. Go to tinyletter.com forward slash the Rob Burgess Show and type in your email address. Then respond to the automatic message. Also, please make sure to comment, follow, like, subscribe, share, rate, and review everywhere the podcast is available, including iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Twitter, Internet Archive, TuneIn, RSS, and now Spotify. The official website for the podcast is www.therobburgessshow.com. You can find out more about me by visiting my website, www.thisburgess.com. If you have something to say, record a voice memo on your smartphone and send it to therobburgessshow at gmail.com. Include voice memo in the subject line of the email. Also, if you want to call or text the show for any reason, the number is 317-674-3547. Until next time.